Yeah. Ma'am? Can I hear you? You can or you can't? Oh, really? Yeah, it's going through the, yeah, we'll have to, have to work on that. Okay. Hmm. Let me see if, uh, let me do something right quick since we're live. Let me, let me pull it up and see if I can get myself on this Facebook. Let's see. Okay. 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 So I can hear myself now on the live. Somebody don't said they hear loud and clear, so All right. All right, so tonight we are in uh, Joshua, the 23rd chapter, and this is a good chapter. This is um, the uh, farewell address for Joshua. The, the last two chapters of this book cover Joshua's uh, farewell address. Uh, to Israel he's uh, up in age about 110 years old because he died at age 110 as, as we're going to see in the next uh, chapter so you know we've been going through this book for the last few months and now we get down to uh, the end where Joshua is leaving Israel with some instructions and some encouragement leaving him with, with some warnings um, and calls to uh, obey the Lord okay so this chapter and the 24th chapter you all probably heard people say as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord that's we're going to come to that in the 24th chapter that's what Joshua uh, said and you all probably heard people say that a lot as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord that's that comes from Joshua 24 uh, we'll deal with that next week but tonight we're going to look at the 20. Uh, third chapter and I think there are about six different uh, things in here that we're going to look at as we close out uh, this book so let's pray and ask for the Lord's help Lord thank you for your word thank you Lord for those who are here those who are watching on Facebook and those who will hear the sermon podcast thank you Lord for the blessing of being able to study your work together expositionally uh, Lord, give me strength by your spirit to exposit the text well uh, with the spirit's help. And Lord, send your spirit to illuminate the truth that we will hear tonight. Lord, help us to see your work. Help us to see your glory being manifested uh, in this text. And Lord, just refresh us by your word. Refresh us by means of your word. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit as we all go through this week Lord just give us a refreshing through your word not through anything that I have to say but what your word has to say to us in Christ's name amen so we're going to deal with of course as we always do we're going to deal in sections with this uh, book and so the first three verses Joshua begins by giving glory to God. So the first exhortation is total obedience to the word of God. That's this overall first section. But uh, as he does that, he sets his speech up by giving glory to God or declaring what the Lord, what Yahweh has done. So it says here, chapter 23 of the book of Joshua, beginning at verse 1. 
It says, now it came to pass. Uh, a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, excuse me, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. So Joshua saying he's going the way of all the earth. I, I like that 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 uh that that phrase. So it begins by saying that a, a long time afterwards or after a long time. Now we don't know how long it was, but it was probably more than twenty five years. Um because uh from the time that they first crossed the Jordan into uh, the land because we're assuming that Joshua was around the same age as Caleb uh, because Caleb you know we read a few chapters before he said he was 85 years old and you know the Lord fulfilled his promise and everything so we're assuming that him and Caleb were around the same age at that time when they had uh, taken possession of the land at the beginning of the, the conquest I'm sorry uh, Caleb was nearing 80 it had been 40 years uh, so he was Joshua was 110 years old. Uh, it says that in chapter 24, verse 29 of Joshua, that he was 110. So it was about 20, 25 years after all the lands had been allotted and everyone had received there. You know, I always talk about this with Old Testament narrative. Everything doesn't happen in real time. You know, there are usually spaces and, and years and spans of years in between each chapter or each part of the narrative. So a long time had passed. Israel had rest from their enemies. Okay. So what it is is that all of the people had received their inheritance. And that's what he says here. That Joshua was old. He was advanced in age. And it says that he called for all Israel for their elders, the officers, the judges, and their leaders. Now, he couldn't call all two or three million people, okay, to gather together. So he called the spiritual heads of all of these families, of all of these tribes, because it wasn't possible for everybody to meet in one place, not all of Israel. So it was more specific saying that he called the elders and the judges, all the all the leaders. And the thing about the elders is that these elders were around his age. So the elders knew, you know, they were most likely born in Egypt or in the wilderness. And now that they are old, they probably grew up in the wilderness. They watched the rebellion of their fathers because remember their fathers didn't make it into the land, but they did. So they grew up in the wilderness. Uh, they spent all their adulthood following Joshua as their uh, appointed leader. Okay, so they spent time uh, doing that. And so these elders saw all that that happened. These elders saw what had taken uh, place. In Israel. So now um, Joshua is calling these elders together along with all the other leaders to gather and to give this message to Israel. That's basically what they did back then because remember, they didn't have physical Bibles. Okay, they didn't have physical Bibles. So they had the, the word was given to the elders and the leaders and the judges and then they took the word back to the tribes and so it probably took a long time for them to assemble there that's most likely what happened okay so he gathers all these leaders uh, together 
the elders and the judges. And what is the first thing that he says to them? He says, I am old and advanced in age. You've seen all that the Lord your God has done for all, to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. So what does he do first? He gives glory to who? To God. Okay, he's old. He's advanced in age. And he testifies to what God has done. He says, you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. And what did they do? They conquered the Canaanites. But it wasn't them who conquered the Canaanites. It was God who went before them. Joshua could have said, yeah, it was it was me. I, I led you all. You know, I led you all across the Jordan. I, 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 I. He could have done that. And that's what that's what man does. Man likes to take all the glory. Man likes to take all the glory for what God has actually done. Man wants all the attention on him. Man wants to receive all praise. When things good happen in a person's life, even if a person doesn't serve God, what does man want to do? They want to take all the glory. But Joshua says, you have seen all that the Lord, your God, Yahweh, what the Lord, your God has done to all these nations. Remember, they when they first came into the land, they defeated Jericho. Then they defeated Ai. And then they defeated the kings to the north. I'm sorry, the kings to the south. And then they defeated the kings to the north. All that conquering that took place was the Lord doing that. The Lord went before them. And we saw that as we studied through this book. The Lord went before them. The Lord told them what? Be strong. Be of good courage. For I am with you. I have already given you this land. So it was ultimately God who did it. And it is ultimately God who accomplishes those things in our life. The spiritual victories that we have, God gives them to us. All glory belongs to God. It is not us. There's no greatness in us. It is all the greatness of God. And so that's what Joshua was telling these leaders. He says, for the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. That was a great reminder. He addresses again these people, his farewell address. He doesn't talk about himself. And this is his farewell address. Remember that now. These are his last words to God's covenant people but he spends it giving glory to God because it would have been easy for Joshua to focus on what he had done as a military leader because he did some great things especially because these these battles these victories that Israel fought were impressive think about Jericho all they had to do was march around the city once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day and then blow their horns and shout and the walls of the city fell down. That's, that's very impressive. Very impressive. Joshua helped to lead that. But he was far more interested in glorifying God than, take, than talking about himself. Lord, we were all like that. I talk about all the time how people love talking about themselves. They love talking about themselves and what they have done, what they have accomplished. And it's, it, it doesn't mean that you don't ever talk about yourself, but it's the spirit in which you do it. Most people do it as to bring glory to themselves and not glory to God. They don't bring glory to God. They are all about glorifying themselves but this is not what we see in Joshua now verses 4 and 5 he describes the challenge that I hear this is the second point of this okay God gave them the victory but it's not all the way over he says see I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight 
so you shall possess their land as the Lord your God had promised you. So what challenges lie ahead? They still have to remember each tribe as they took their allotment. Each tribe had to dispossess their land. They had to make sure they conquered all of the Canaanites that were in their lands. And, and remember a couple weeks ago I was reading through uh, the earlier chapters or actually just last week looking at uh, I think it was chapters 20 and 21 that some of them didn't defeat all of the inhabitants and that they remained in the land with them because it was the job of each tribe to get rid of all of the Canaanites in their land it was their responsibility to do that once their land was allotted. That's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to totally dispossess it. Totally get rid of those people. That's what they were supposed to do. So they have their land, but they don't fully obey God's command to do that. But this is the command that he gave them once they get into this land. He divided it under Joshua's leadership. The armies of Israel, they, they broke the backs of the Canaanites. Now, each individual tribe must fully possess what God has given them. He's already given them land. Now they have to fully possess it. This requires obedience to the Lord. So God gives them the land. Now they have to be good stewards of that land. They have to fully possess those lands. Or else something terrible is going to happen. That's what we're going to see. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God had promised you. Now. As believers. We have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Paul said in uh, Ephesians 1 and 3 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings even in the heavenly places in Christ. As believers, we are blessed in Christ. Those of us who are followers of the Lord. And God has given us a part to play in living that way. Taking basically taking possession of the fact that we are in Christ, that we are his, that that we do belong to Christ, that we're in Christ and Christ is in us. He's given us all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. That's Ephesians one and three. We are stewards over those blessings, those spiritual blessings that he has given us. We didn't have to earn them. Christ earned those blessings for us. That's why I said the heavenly places in Christ. Christ gives us those blessings. We don't do anything to earn them. So God did the same thing with Israel. So they have it. Now they have to fully possess it. Now. How Israel will succeed. Is only one way to succeed in doing this. It's obedience. It's obedience. Look at verse 6. Therefore. Be very courageous to. Keep. And to do. All that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Lest you turn aside from it. To the right hand or. To. The left. Now. Notice he says. This is this is faithfulness. Let's start from the end and work backwards. Let's start from. Lest you turn aside from the right hand or to the left. Why did he say that? The word less L-E-S-T means for fear that. That's what lest means. So. For fear that you will turn from the right hand to the left. What do you need to do? Keep. Obey. 
So be very courageous. When they go into this land, when they possess this land, be courageous so that they can be obedient. Following God and his word isn't something for the faint of heart. Being faithful to God and his word is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the weak. It's not for those who are going to compromise scripture. I was listening to a um, message today about the importance of abiding in the word and being faithful to scripture. Scripture alone. Sola Scriptura. One of the, the five tenets of the Re Protestant Reformation. Scripture alone is sufficient. And as Christians, the moment that we compromise scripture, and I talk about it all the time in church, the moment that we compromise scripture, all bets are off. You're going to compromise everywhere else if, if, if scripture is not sufficient. If what the Bible says, which is the word of the Lord, if what the Lord said is compromised in any area, it's over. Once you compromise, that's it. And that's what we're going to see with Israel. That's, one of, that's what's going to lead to their fall. That's why Joshua is giving them this exhortation now. To do what? Keep and to do all that is written in the book of law, law most lest you turn aside for fear that you may turn to the right or to the left. You're going to compromise. You're going to apostatize. You're going to fall away. Remember we read that scripture in Hebrews last Wednesday? Take heed lest you fall away. Let's look at that scripture again. Hebrews, I think it's the second chapter. Then he also said in Hebrews 3 and 4, if you hear the, his voice, do not harden your heart. But look at Hebrews 2 and 1. This is how spiritual drifting happens when we fail to obey the word of God. And this is what Joshua was warning Israel about. Keep and do. Keep means to observe, to learn, to listen, to take heed. And to do means to do what we learn, what, you know, to take heed to what we do. Hebrews 2 and 1, what does the writer say? Therefore, we must pay, this is the ESV, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. See? Drift away. And, and that's how apostasy happens. Israel slowly drifted away from the Lord. It doesn't happen suddenly. It happens slowly until it happens suddenly. When we fail to, as Joshua said, keep and do all that is written in God's word, guess what? We will turn to the right or to the left. In other words, we won't stay on that straight path. We'll begin to drift. It's like the, the song we sing in one of our old churches. If your soul's not anchored in Jesus, you will surely drift away. And that is so true. If we're not anchored in the word of God, we're going to drift to the right hand and to the left. That's what Joshua was telling them at his last speech. He was telling the leaders to tell the people that to obey. Because he knew the cost. Some translations say be very firm then to keep all and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And this exhortation is crucial for the future of Israel. Because Joshua witnessed on several occasions the failings of the Israelites. He was in the wilderness with them when they rebelled against God. And he continues with this in verse 7, this theme. So the first exhortation was to obey the word. How will Israel succeed? 
by totally, totally obeying the word of God. The second exhortation, don't make peace with the enemy. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Friends, before I read this, do not compromise with the enemies of God. Compromise leads to apostasy. I can't say it enough. Our church will never compromise God's word. By God's grace, we won't do that. Everyone who goes to this church, we don't compromise the word of God. For no one, no matter what it costs us, no matter what friends it costs us. We can't do it. I was listening to a, a lady today on the podcast and a question that she was asked was, did you lose a lot of friends uh, when you became a Christian? And she said something that was very interesting, kind of happened with me and probably happens with, 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 with some of you. She said she didn't leave her friends, her friends left her. Because she had no problem having friends who were unbelievers. She was nice to them and everything. She said they stopped talking to her because of her beliefs. But she didn't want to stop talking to them. She said it hurt her because of that. I mean, she didn't go like chasing, chasing after them. But, you know, she tried to, you know, reconcile or whatever. But they they didn't want it. And she said the main thing that her she and her friends had uh, odds were at odds about was abortion. Because this lady's a Christian, she believes abortion is murder, which it is. And her friends were pro-choice or whatever. They were pro-baby murder. And that was one of the big things that divided her and her friends. She said they stopped associating with her because of her biblical beliefs on abortion. That is murder. She said they left her. She didn't leave them. But that's what the price is of not compromising. Sometimes people are not going to want anything to do with you. people that you've been friends with for a long time. I've had friends that this is themselves for me uh, that I went to high school with. I didn't, I mean, I didn't start speaking to them. They stopped speaking to me. I'm still the same flip. They stopped speaking to me. It could be because of a political candidate you voted for. It could be because of your Christian beliefs. But guess what? That's the price of not compromising. That's the price of standing on God's word. It's going to happen. But we don't compromise. And that's what Joshua's about to tell them. Unless you go, verse 7 and 8, unless you go among these nations... So he's continuing from verse 6. Do all in the book of Moses, lest you turn away from the right and to the left. In verse 7, unless you go among the nations, those who remain among you, you should not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day so why again was it important for them to, to obey the word because if they didn't they would be caught up with these other nations If they don't drive those nations out, guess what? They're going to be mixing in with Israel. And then what's going to happen as a result? They're going to fall. They're going to start worshiping the idols. They're going to start talking about it and, and talking to them. That's what's going to happen. And that's what did happen. And Joshua knew that. So he said what? 
unless you go less for fear that you go among these nations those who remain among you because number one they wasn't even supposed to remain among them they're, they're supposed to get rid of all of them they're supposed to kill all of them to possess that land he said you may not make mention of the names of their gods he's saying don't even talk about their false gods it's like Paul said, we, we looked at in Ephesians 5 about the, those who do the deeds of darkness. As Christians, we shouldn't even mention it. We, we did that in Ephesians 5 uh, a couple of weeks ago where Paul uh, said that. Don't even mention what they do in darkness. So he was telling Israel, don't even mention these, these pagans. So he's saying basically... To avoid corruption and to avoid idolatry. He said don't even associate with these nations. These which remain among you or mention the name of their gods. So he's talking about uh, association or intermingling which means to come with. Taking an oath to their gods or swearing by their gods don't even do that because once you intermarry with them guess what Israel is going to do they're going to start worshiping their gods that's what, he's, that's what they're going to start doing is worshiping their gods that's what intermingling happened that's why the Bible tells us uh, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Don't marry unbelievers. If you are a Christian, a Bible, or a, a true Christian, not a false convert. If you are a true Christian in the biblical sense, you do not marry an unbeliever. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause chaos in your household. It's going to cause chaos amongst your children. You got one that's committed to the church and the other that's not. It's going to cause problems and conflict. It's just going to happen. Why? Light and darkness cannot dwell. They may be a nice person. But they're not a believer. They don't believe what you believe. They don't worship the same God that you worship. Because number one, you can't be a Christian and not worship God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those two things are incompatible to each other. So we see that he's warning them not to even intermingle with these Canaanites. Have no associations with them. Because it was going to cause problems. They had to be very firm in this. So he's telling them to avoid this uh, corruption. Because that's what happens. And this corruption leads to idolatry. Because he says or mention the name of their gods. Or make anyone swear by them or serve them. Or bow down to them. So he's telling them not to even become idolaters. We have to remember something. The standard of godly living in the land was God's word. And the form of godly living is separation. So for us as Christians it's the same thing. The standard for us living in this world is God's word. That's our standard. And the form of that godly living was separation from, from sin as, as much as possible. Separation from idolatry or idolatrous uh, practices. Spiritual intermingling was the problem and the danger with Israel. Because you can't mix the worship for Israel. You can't mix the worship of Jehovah with the worship of other gods. That's 
That's, that's paganism. That's syncretism. You can't, you can't do that. Those two things are incompatible. You can't worship God and be and worship astrology or read tarot cards or read crystals and all this other nonsense or do yoga and all these things. You can't, you can't worship God, the true God, the living God, the biblical God. You can't worship him and worship all these other things at the same time because that leads to paganism. You can't serve both. So Joshua warned the leaders of this danger. So it's therefore a reason. So this is the first time in Joshua that we find an explicit warning against intermingling with the native population. Because they were very immoral people and they lived degrading lifestyles. So Israel was replacing these people with the true worship of God. We as Christians must be on guard for that. Don't get caught up with the um, immorality of the world. Don't participate in the deeds of darkness with them. You're right. That's a very good point. Yep, the Lord is saying you can't even compromise with family. Hey, we love our families. I love my family members too, but I can't participate in any type of sinful activities they're doing. Family or not, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to do anything that's displeasing to my God. Just can't do that. That's a very good point. We love our families that God has given us, but we can't even compromise when it comes to them. So verse 8, he says, also do what? Cling to the Lord, but you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. Cling to God. Instead of following the Canaanite gods, the Israelites were to cling to their own God. The word cling is, is, is translated hold fast. Or cling tightly. This word has a rich theological context to it. The word of, of uh, clinging. It indicates extreme closeness. Holding fast is so, so good for the Christian. God does hold us fast. He keeps us to the end. You know, we've seen that him, he will hold me fast. God does hold to us. But there's a human responsibility to cling to God and cling to his word. We have to cling to it in trust. So he's telling Israel, obey. Don't mingle or give in to the pagans. Don't make peace with them. And cling. Cling. Hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day we hold fast to God that's how we keep from straying we hold fast to the Lord with everything in us so now verses 9 through 13 If they fail basically to abide in the Lord, they will depart from God's blessing. So he says in verse nine, for the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations. These that remain among you and make marriages with them and go in to them and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. 
Mm. He's telling them what's going to happen. And guess what? It happened. We'll see that later on. He told them what was going to happen if they intermingled with these pagans. Remember the word for means because. So you go back to verse 7 or 6. Be strong. Keep to do all that is written in the book of Moses. Turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left. That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. Or make mention of the names of their gods. Or swear by them. Or serve them. Or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God. Just as you have done this day. Because or for. So why all that? Because or for. The Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. And as for you no man has been able to stand before you this day. So why are you to do all this? Why are you to obey? Because God has done all this for you. God has blessed you. God has driven all these nations, great and small, from you. So why are you going to intermingle with these pagans? When God has driven you, driven them out from you and gave you all this land. Why? When he did all this. He says, no one was able to stand against you this day. One of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. As they get ready to drive these inhabitants out of their land, who's going to help them do it? God, who's going to do it for them? God, they have God on their side as they take possession of the land. God is going to do this for them. As Israel abided in the Lord, they saw God do great things through them. And as they continue to, to abide, guess what? They're, they're going to continue to see the things, the great things that God would do on their behalf. But they must be careful to love the Lord. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. What does he mean by that? To love God means to obey him. If you love me, as Jesus said, keep my commandments. People say, yeah, I love the Lord and just live in all kinds of ways. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. You obey the Lord regardless of what people say. It doesn't matter. We obey God because we love him. We love the Lord. We keep his commandments. And so that's what Joshua was telling Israel. And that's what Lord tells us. Thank you, dear Lord. So we, we obey God. This is what we must be careful to do. Jude said in Jude, the 21st verse, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, continually loving the Lord takes diligence. Because there are many things inside us, our sin nature, and outside of us, the influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil, our three enemies. They are constantly trying to draw us away from that love. The sin that lies within all of us, and the sin is in us but not on us, we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, but we still have to contest with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those things are slowly trying to keep us out of that love and pull us away. We must decide to love God with the Spirit's help, and he helps us to do that. Because what does the Lord tell them? Therefore, take care of you to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, or else. So here's the warning. For if you turn back and cling, so instead of clinging to God, if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations, the Canaanites, those that remain among you, again, remember, they're supposed to get rid of all of them. But if they cling to them, those that remain among them, and make what? Marriages 
with them. And go into them and they to you. So let's start right there. Continuing in God's love. One of the evidences of that. Is keeping ourselves separate from ungodly influences around us. Like James 1 and 27 says. We are to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. One of the ways that we show that we love God and cling to him is to keep ourselves as much as we can separate from ungodly influences. If it's family, if it's friends, if it's co-workers, we keep ourselves from their ungodly influences because this is the nature of evil and we all know this. We'll be more influenced by evil than us influencing evil people. Paul says this is 1 Corinthians 15, 15th chapter, around the 53rd, 54th verse. He says, evil communication corrupts good manners. I think that's 1 Corinthians 15 and 50, I think it's like 15, 54, something like that. But Paul says this, I know it's in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, 15 and I was way out. 15 and uh, 33. Now the ESV says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I forgot what the King James says. Is it evil communication? First Corinthians 15 and 33. Now in the context of this, Paul is talking about the resurrection and those who were talking against the resurrection. They can corrupt those who are trying to believe in it, but it's an overall principle to this. What does uh, 15 and 33 say in the King James Version? I think evil communication corrupts good manners or something like that. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. What does the Holman say, friend? Bad company corrupts good morals. That's what the ESV says. Bad company uh, ruins good morals. 15 and 33. Ma'am? We do. What does it say, uh, the King James? Communication. Yep. Evil communication corrupts good manners. That's what the King James says. That's what evil does. Evil communication. Evil people. Evil influence corrupts good morals. Evil is a corrupting force. We must understand that. That's why we must, as much as we can, keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Evil would in, will influence us more than will influence evil people. Because our sin nature is inherently corrupt. Our sin nature likes evil. We're not naturally attracted to good because we're all born in sin. Remember, that's the doctrine of total depravity. We are not in our nature attracted to good. That's why you have to teach babies how to be good, how to not steal, how to not be brats. Why? Because it's their nature from birth in the womb. In, 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 in sin we're conceived, as David said in Psalm 51. So we're, 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 we're conceived in corruption. When we're born, we're in corruption. That's why we need a Savior. Because our inherent nature is sinful. It is not good. None of us are good. The Bible tells us that. We're not uh, just good people that just do bad things. No, we're evil people. We have a sin nature. We have a corrupt nature. And we need a Savior to save us from our sins. And save us from that nature. And give us His nature. Give us a new nature. If we are in that new nature. And then we go back. Oh, I can handle it. No. No. Evil can have a very corrupting, 
Look at what happened to Lot. First, Peter said that Lot's soul was vexed by what he saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. God saved Lot, but his soul was vexed because of what he saw. And I'm, I'm, I'm finding that, uh, that scripture in 1 Peter. 2 Peter 2 and 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. This is uh, 2 Peter 2 and 8. He saw this evil day to day, the unlawful deeds. He was hearing it. He was seeing it in Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did it do? It vexed his soul. It vexed his soul. The King James says, and delivered just Lot. Lot was just. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So Lot's soul was vexed. So again, this is talking about the influence of evil. And, and, and we're going back to our passage and, and seeing why it was important that Joshua was telling these leaders this and therefore telling Israel this. Don't marry them. Don't go into them and them to you. Because if they do, what does he say? Know for certain. This is, this is a certainty. Know for certainty. And we're back in Joshua now. That the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. He's not going to be with them when they try to conquer them. Why? Because they disobeyed God. Because they disobeyed God. Instead, he says they shall be snares <laughs> and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Until you perish. So they don't separate themselves from the ungodly influences around them. Those influences will become to them. A scourge is like an instrument of torture. And it will lead to their destruction. That's what's going to happen. We're going to start right there today. And we're going to continue this next week. But... Um, I want to start right there and we'll, we'll pick back up with the um, we're around the 13th verse before Joshua says again his the end of his address so we're going to stop here today but I hope that we see the warning that Joshua gives to Israel I hope that we can see the warning that God gives to us through his word about the corrupting influence of evil and the impact that evil has on the Christian and how we as believers we're in the world but we're not of the world we are to evangelize and, and share the gospel with people but we're not to take party in people's sins and compromise the word of God 